Welcome back to episode seven of Money Equals M Squared. My name is Mike Torello and I'm here with my co-host, Mike Lucas, and our guest for today's episode, Kevin Flynn from Lincoln Financial Group. Today's episode is called The Value of Social Security, and we're gonna go over the benefits that you can receive from Social Security, the most asked questions from our clients, and how you need to plan to effectively help your retirement so that way you know exactly the benefits you can get from Social Security. Kevin joins us today from Lincoln Financial Group. Kevin, thanks a lot for coming on today. Glad to be here. Thanks so much for having me. I appreciate it. Yeah, so, so like I said, we're going to talk a lot about the value of Social Security. We're going to answer eight questions that we think most of our clients uh, ask us. And just as a reminder, everything that we go over today is just general advice. It's not specific recommendations for any specific situation or anything like that. But before we get started, Kevin, why don't you tell us a little bit about your background, how you help people plan with Social Security and everything like that? No, no I love it, Mike. So I've been in the business for uh, a little over two decades, and I travel all over New England uh, doing financial seminars with great individuals like yourself in terms of helping people break down and simplify the complexities within Social Security, which we're going to talk about today, uh, as well as healthcare planning, just really try and go deeper, be intentional with regards to creating and implementing and developing a financial plan. Awesome. So why don't we dive right in? Sure. Like I said, we got eight questions. We're going to go over a lot of topics. So why don't we start first? What's the current status of Social Security and how does it really affect people? Yeah, it's uh, obviously a hot topic right now, of course, with respect to everything that's been going on. The challenge that a lot of individuals are facing right now is when you follow the baby boomers like we have for many, many decades, demographic trends are really, really threatening the long-term viability of Social Security. When you rewind a bunch of years ago, there used to be about four workers for each uh, individual that was paying into Social Security. Now that has come down considerably, right? So what we're finding right now is Congress is looking at some different proposals with regards to trying to make sure Social Security is going to be here for a long period of time. Nothing has yet been set in stone, but some of the things that they're taking a look at is with respect to increasing um, the wage cap that exists right now. So you may know that individuals who make up to $160,000, that's where they cap out in terms of paying FICA taxes. So the thought is if we increase that or eliminate it altogether or maybe put in another tier later on, that might help. There's also discussion in terms of um, increasing uh, the full retirement age or maybe delaying the early retirement, increasing payroll taxes. A lot of different stuff is on the table. I passionately believe that something will be done to save Social Security. We just don't know what, what that will be and what, what velocity that will be. But if Social Security does nothing, um, in 2033, it's expected that they're, that they're going to get about 80% of their benefits uh, going forward. Great. Kevin, quick question on that. Should people be worried that Social Security is not going to be there? I don't think so, no. I firmly believe something is going to be done along those lines. Again, we don't know what and what, with what and what velocity. Um, the individuals that are currently receiving Social Security, I believe they're going to continue to get that for many years to come. It's going to be probably myself, us, maybe our children, so to speak, that might have a different formula, different calculation with how they're going to be receiving their benefits. So one of the things you mentioned is, you know, there's a lot of different things on the table. Yes. So the biggest thing to kind of convey to our clients and people is there's ways to solve this problem. Absolutely. And we're not at the point where there's nothing we can do and it's going to go away eventually. We just need some type of change to be able to solve it. Absolutely. Absolutely. Yes. Good. Well said. I'll hop into our next question, Mike. Um, help us understand the formula that they use to calculate that base benefit. Absolutely. So. 
when you take a look at the formula, this is a little bit of a misnomer that's out there where people feel as though Social Security is taking a look at their, you know, their best five, or their last three along those lines. Trust me when I tell you, gentlemen, it is a much more comprehensive and complex formula than you might otherwise think. So what Social Security does is they take a look at your highest 35 years of earnings to calculate your benefit. And it's important to note that some years that you did not work, will, they will essentially put a zero in there as well too. So if you only worked for 25 years, the other 10 years will be reflecting as a zero. All right, so it's your highest 35 years of earnings from the ages of 22 to 62. They add all that up, they index it, and that is the formula with which they use to calculate what's called your PIA, your primary insurance amount. And by definition, that's the monthly benefit that you're able to start collecting at age 62. Great. So, so, so one of the ways for, for, our, for our client or a prospective client to check on that is to do what? So uh, great question. So you can go online to ssa.gov to check you know, your, your statement along those lines. If you're over age 60, Social Security started to mail you statements on an annual basis. If you're under age 60, you're going to receive it every five years. I strongly encourage individuals to log on to ssa.gov. They know exactly who you are and they're gonna ask you some very personal questions along those lines to kind of double check. I've heard sporadic times where the income that is being represented on the statement is, is not correct and you can certainly fix that with social security, but I would strongly advise looking online at ssa.gov. Yeah, it's funny you mentioned that. Like we've had some scenarios where we're helping people plan and we say hop on, get us your most recent statement with your yes. learning history and we'll see numbers that just don't line up. Correct. And the process is not very hard to get it corrected, but it's time consuming. Correct. So you don't want to do that five minutes before you're ready to retire. Take advantage of it as soon as you find it, because you are going to need some records to be able to correct it yourself. 100%, 100%, absolutely yes. One of the other questions we have there though, Kevin, is Social Security won't help you after that formula, help, won't help you maximize that. So it's important to do what? So, so, say it again, sorry? So Social Security, if you call them or you work with them, they're not going to help you try to maximize Social Security. No, no, forgive me. So Social Security is fantastic. They can tell you how much and when and that is it. They cannot give you advice. So it is absolutely paramount to sit down with a financial planner. Again, be intentional with taking stock of your guaranteed sources of income. Like Social Security, we can talk about some maximization strategies, of course, uh, with respect to what are your guaranteed expenses and like I mentioned in the beginning, really be intentional on creating a plan with a financial professional. So you're going to gather that information and then take it to someone to analyze and to try to get the best, best avenue. 100%, yes. So one of the things that I, I get asked a lot, you know, because obviously you have different windows you can claim your yes. Social Security in. Yes. Is can you work and collect your Social Security at the same time and how does that affect your income? Love it. So, so short answer is yes, you can with an asterisk. Okay, it depends upon where exactly are you within that retirement timeline continuum because yes, you can start collecting as early as age 62. If you start collecting benefits and still work prior to the year that you attain full retirement age, there is a limit as to how much you can actually make from, a, from an earnings perspective. So prior to the year that you attain full retirement age, the figure's around $21,000, okay? If you make over $21,000, you'll have $1 withheld for every $2 above that limit from your Social Security, okay? The year that you actually attain 
full retirement age status. So my full retirement age is 67. And let's just say for the sake of the argument, I was born on Halloween, okay? So the year that I turned 67, from January to September, the income threshold actually goes up. For 2023, I can make about $51,000 a year. If I go over that threshold, I'll have $1 withheld for every $3. And that 51,000 is what I can make between January and September. It doesn't include the month that I turn full retirement age, okay? And then at full retirement age, if I delay collecting until that time, there's zero limit on my earnings. I can make whatever I want to. And if I had had any benefits withheld from my paycheck, what Social Security does is they readjust my primary insurance amount and essentially give it back to me over time. Regrettably, they don't give it back to us in a lump sum. Got it. Wow. So basically what you're saying is, so there's ways to be able to work and still collect Social Security. You just got to know those numbers because yes. if you fly past that limit, you're essentially giving up half of your Social Security where working with a planner, it may make sense to delay your when you claim and actually collect those checks. Exactly, exactly right, yes. Great, so on to the next question, Kevin. Um, we all have heard you take Social Security at 62, right? Yes. You can collect it, so everyone should do it at 62 or not. So the next question is, if we file early, how will that impact my number? I love it. So when you, when you take a look back in terms of when people actually file, you're spot on with, with respect to 62. Funny thing is, 40% um, of individuals don't consult with someone like yourself. They go direct to Social Security and file at a reduced benefit, right? Two-thirds of individuals don't make it to full retirement age, and very few foster what's called a delayed retirement credit where Social Security pays you 8% to get on out to age 70. You max out your benefit at age 70. But to answer your question, if I was to file at age 62, let's just say, for the sake of the argument, my monthly benefit at age 67 is, say, $2,000 a month, okay? If I file at age 62, I'm permanently reducing my benefit to 75% of that amount, or essentially $1,500. So, or conversely, if I foster that delayed retirement credit strategy, my $2,000 would be 2480 if I'm doing the math correctly. So... What happens specifically if you file early is you are permanently reducing your benefit and perhaps if you have a spouse who's also younger and collecting a benefit off of you, that may impact them as well too. So it's absolutely important to figure out what are the assets you may have outside of these income sources and again, put that as a part of your overall financial plan. Good. So good question. 62, you could take it, but... Think about it a little bit more. Are there other sources to get there? Yes. Try to maximize it as much as you can. If you take it early, you really can't get above that threshold that you talked about before. No, exactly right. So again, people do it because it's the bird in the hand versus two in the bush type of mentality. Your only opportunity for inflation protection is going to be in the form of a, of a cost of living adjustment. People feel as though that if they start collecting early and then when they attain full retirement age status, it goes up. It doesn't work that way. It's a permanent reduction within your Social Security benefit. And I think on the other side of it, and we were kind of encouraging people to wait, but for some people who may not be healthy or want to retire early, the opportunity is there. It's just important to think about it and plan. 100%. Absolutely, yes. And just to expand upon that, where the, more often than that, the reason why people file early, as you just mentioned, is health concerns, right? And then just looking at their, their lifestyle, their longevity, what have you, and, and, and taking it early. And obviously, if you're, if you're 
if you're not working, you need income, you need to take it. But if you can continue to work, it's probably better to push that off and delay it. Totally agree. Totally agree. Great. So that's half of our questions. So let's take a quick break. We'll head to our community spotlight. Welcome to this week's community spotlight, the segment of our show where we focus in on a small business from our community that helps make our community tick. This week, we're focusing in on Juicebox the band. If you're looking to check out live music, check out Connecticut's top pop essential party band, Juicebox. If you're looking for a night of dancing, sing-alongs, and a great show, then you're in for a treat. Playing all the hits ranging from Lady Gaga, Usher, Dua Lipa, Bruno Mars, to 90s hip-hop, alternative, 80s, and more. Winner of the Hartford Current's Best Live Band of 2022. Weddings and private parties are a specialty if you'd like to have a more personal experience. Check them out on Facebook at JuiceboxBandCT and on Instagram at JuiceboxBand for upcoming shows and more info. All right, welcome back. So again, we're here with uh, Kevin Flynn from Lincoln Financial Group going over the value of Social Security. So Kevin, diving back in, tell us a little bit of how spousal benefits work with Social Security. Yeah, love it. So, you know, I think I mentioned in the beginning with respect to going around and doing educational seminars and workshops, et cetera. One of the things I love so much about Social Security is the fact that everybody's got a story, right? It's, it's not coffee, it's my coffee, right? So we could have situations where, you know, my spouse works more than, 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 than they do. What, what do we do along those lines, right? So if you have a spouse that is eligible to take a benefit off of somebody else, it works the following. So the marriage needs to be at least in existence for one year. So take me and my spouse, Kristen, for example, right? Kristen and I need to be at least married for one year, and then I must open up my file. I need to start collecting my benefit before Kristen is entitled to receive anything off of me, all right? So going back to the example that I mentioned where let's just say my monthly benefit at, at full retirement age of 67 is $2,000 a month, Let's just say for the sake of the argument, Kristen's monthly benefit on her own work history is $750 a month, right? So once I open up my file, Kristen's entitled to receive up to, okay, that should be bold italicized and underlined, up to 50% of my benefit, right? So it'd be essentially be $1,000. And the question I get asked oftentimes, and perhaps I'll pose it back to you gentlemen, is can Kristen collect a $1,000 spousal benefit in addition to her 750 retirement benefit, yes or no? Right, she can't. Yeah, exactly right, you're spot on. So how Social Security calculates that benefit, it's a combination of benefits, right? So when I open up my file, she's entitled to get the $1,000, but Social Security will pay Kristen on her 750 first and then kick her up to, or put an additional 250, excuse me, to bring her up to the $1,000 spousal benefit with which she's entitled to receive, right? So gotta be married for at least a year, I have to open up my file, and I use an example where both Kristen and I were at full retirement age. I mentioned earlier where, yes, we can file as young as age 62, right? So if I file at age 62, recall, I'm permanently reducing my benefit down to 1,500, right? But because Kristen has not yet attained full retirement age status, her spousal benefit is also going to be reduced. All right, so that's how, and again, what I love about Social Security, so situational in nature, people really want to figure out what's the most optimal way to do so from a spousal perspective. One thing I'll expand upon as I get asked sometimes as well too is how do divorced spousal benefits work? And they operate very, very similar with respect to your eligibility at age 62, you maximize at full retirement age, but Social Security makes you earn this one. If there's a divorced couple 
that marriage would have had to have lasted for 10 years for, you know, say Kristen and I were divorced, thankfully we're not, um, she, that marriage would have lasted for 10 years before she would be entitled to receive a spousal benefit off of me. Great. So now, you mentioned before, you have to open your file. Yes. With the ex-spouse benefits, with the divorce benefits, do you still have to open your file for the ex-spouse uh, to begin collecting, or is it based simply on their age? Love it. Phenomenal question. So this is the exception, Mike, that kind of disproves the rule where in a spousal benefit, right, I usually need to open up my file, right? But the ex-spouse does not need to open up their file in this particular case. The other caveat is the file, uh, excuse me, the divorce had to be um, at least in place for two years prior to them filing. They wouldn't have to file for their benefit beyond two years. And the other thing to, to mention as well, too, is spousal benefits would discontinue if the individual got remarried with the caveat, again, it's always situational in nature, with the caveat that if they got remarried, it was remarry after age 60. Okay? So important to know from so a divorce perspective. So, so basically what you're saying is spousal benefits, somewhat simple, but for the basic math. Yes. But it's very situational. Yes. Ex-spousal benefits, a lot of moving parts kind of goes back to, you need the social security plan. Yes. You need to really dive into it. Don't just go to social security and say, what can I claim? 100%. Really take a look, because you could be leaving a lot of money on the table. Absolutely, yes. Absolutely, yes. So I'm gonna go backwards, ask another quick question with that, Kevin, if you don't mind. So that spousal benefit, we talked about using that calculator to try to maximize that social security. Let's say we paint that picture, both the clients, same age, full retirement. Let's say they wait. All right, and they get that 8% bump up every single year. Is the spousal benefit, are you able to utilize that 8% bump up every year? Love it, great question. So with respect to doing or fostering that delayed retirement credit strategy, um, when Kristen files for that spousal benefit, so let me rewind, so say my monthly benefit's $2,000, if I delay until age 70, my monthly benefit would go from 2,000 to round figures about 2,500. When Kristen takes that spousal benefit, it's off of my primary insurance amount, the $2,000. It would not be 50% of the delayed retirement credit, okay? okay. It's just 50% of my primary insurance amount of the $2,000. So great question, by the way. So a lot of clients, they want to defer, hey, I'm going to wait and try to get a higher amount. Yes. But, but the, they shouldn't. You know, the, the maximum they can get is that full primary insurance amount exactly. at that point in time. Exactly. There's zero spousal benefit in terms of delaying beyond FRA from a spousal benefit perspective. From an individual, it could make some sense when we talk about widow and survivor type of benefits. So, so let's say we paint that scenario. You file. Can you suspend those benefits and allow that spouse to take the spousal benefit while that individual continues to earn that 8%, that bump up? So great question. You're talking about a filing strategy known as file and suspend. And based on the Bipartisan Budget Act of 2016, actually, believe it or not, they eliminated that from the table on those lines. So it is not able to go ahead and file and suspend benefits any longer. That was a great strategy that a lot of people implemented, perhaps some of your clients, but unfortunately that's no longer on the table. So what, what, in, one other thing I'll expand upon, because I get asked this question in terms of, can I go from a spousal benefit to your point up to a retirement benefit? The answer is no. You can go from a retirement benefit. Uh, so, so 
if, if, if Kristen was to go ahead and file at age 66, take her $750, right? And then I go ahead and I delay my benefit out to age 70. So Kristen's taking her 750, I'm delaying at full retirement age, right? When I open up my file, Kristen would then be able to receive a spousal bump up, right? Because now I've opened up my file at that particular time. So again, you can go from a retirement benefit up to a spousal benefit, but you can't go from a spousal benefit up to a retirement benefit. They closed that window a little bit ago. Good, good. That's good information. Good loophole to close. Um, yes. On to our next one. Let's talk a little bit about survivor benefits. How does that work, Kevin? Yeah, really good question. So I start just starting to allude to that. I believe this is probably one of the biggest hidden gems within Social Security. And the mindset here is to try and have the higher wage earner, um, in my family it just happens to be myself, have the higher wage earner delay taking benefits, as we were just talking about, out to age 70, because as a widow or as a survivor benefit, Kristen is entitled to step up to my primary insurance amount, including those delayed retirement credits earned. So we just talked about where Kristen's unable to get the spousal benefit off of that 8% credit, but she's able to receive it as a widow benefit. So play that on out, right? So I'm collecting now my $2,640. Kristen's now taking her thousand, right? Let's just say, right, so she's getting her 50%. Something happens to me. Okay, Kristen surrenders her $1,000 spousal benefit and then steps up to that $2,480 benefit. So it can be very, very meaningful for her from a planning perspective, as you all do every single day. And then also more importantly is where our health care costs may be much later on down the line, that additional income could be meaningful relative to her plan. Absolutely. Quick question on that. Yeah. Can you get both benefits, the spousal benefit and the higher amount, or could she go back to her 750 <laughs> Love the question. So uh, as we're expanding upon this, so Kristen can actually receive a widow benefit independently of her own retirement benefits. All right. So she can start taking a benefit as early age 60. And essentially, Kristen can do the math in terms of figuring out, okay, am I going to take a widow benefit because that would be more meaningful? Or would her benefit growing until age 70 to switch on over be more than the widow benefit that she would be entitled to receive. So that's one of the scenarios where Social Security is fairly flexible, allowing you to choose which option, which strategy would be more advantageous for the widowed spouse. All right, Kevin, so quick question. Let's say, unfortunately, a, a husband passes in their 60s. The wife's a couple of years younger. Yes. Um, that spousal benefit, how is that the, the wife, who's, who's now in that picture planning for Social Security, how is she going to get a lot of that information from that deceased husband if he's no longer around? Understood. So presumably she's going to have the Social Security number on the death certificate, or if you're a rain man like me, you have it memorized, so to speak, <laughs> for my spouse. Um, you can essentially still go to Social Security, provide documentation. So again, being a spouse, we have to show that we were at least married for one year, if you recall what we were talking about before, right? Then Social Security will absolutely produce the documentation that will show exactly what that primary insurance amount was, what she was going to be entitled to. And once again, just go ahead and do the math. Would it make sense to take a widow benefit early, allow her own benefit to grow, or perhaps just take a widow benefit coming out of the chute? Maybe the work history wasn't as robust as the, as the spouse who passed away. So the information 100% is out there to call Social Security. 
Good. And then you can you could take it prior. You don't have to wait until it would have been his full retirement age. You can take it earlier. Exactly, exactly. There's been a couple scenarios where I've done workshops and seminars where an individual was much, much older, already collecting. There was an individual who was a widow in her early 60s, and this person thought that she needed to wait until full retirement age prior to being able to receive that widow benefit. And when I educated this individual and putting the plan together, like you mentioned, you guys do all the time, it was super, super meaningful for this particular individual because her income needs were very, very low. And he was a pri primary wage earner. The additional income, it ended up being like $1,800 a month in addition. So it was very, very meaningful. But so let me paint that picture. So if a client, let's say she's 62, husband was, let's say, 65, 66. Sure. They could take a spousal benefit. Now, what if that the younger individual is still alive? is continuing to work and making a substantial amount of money. So, yeah, so remember, that goes back to working and collecting at the exact same time. So even though you're a widow and you're taking that benefit, you're still going to be subject to the income limitations along those lines. So it's, it's important to take that into consideration, you know, when you're, when you're doing the plan. But, but great point there. Good. So make sure you're not making too much money. Exactly. Make sure it's along those same lines. Makes all right, great. Exactly. So we talked a lot about you know how much you can claim and stuff like that in different ways. When you are claiming, how is Social Security taxed? Oh, I love this question. Um, it, it, it's a little bit challenging. Where a lot of things that we talk about within Social Security have been indexed for inflation, i.e., the wage cap that we talked about and how much you can make and collect at the exact same time. Social Security taxation, now again, as a caveat, I'm not a CPA here, but these numbers have not changed. They have not moved. So if you're a single tax filer making over $34,000 a year, or if you're married filing jointly making over $44,000 a year, it's possible that up to 85% of your benefits could be, your Social Security benefits, excuse me, could be taxed. So they take a look at what's called, the formula, if you will, is what's called provisional income or combined income. And the formula goes with respect to your modified adjusted gross income plus half of your Social Security benefits plus any non-taxable interest that you may have from municipal securities, et cetera. All those factors coming together. And once again, if you're over those thresholds, it's possible that a good portion of your benefits could be taxable. And when you say that they're taxable, they begin taxable at ordinary income just the same way as if you were working, right? Exactly. Exactly right. Yes. So it's challenging. So it's important to plan for those type of things in retirement. Social Security, you know, it's gonna it's gonna income, it's gonna have some type of taxable effect on you. Yes, it's possible. Okay, our our, our last question here, Kevin. We do a lot of work with uh, individuals in education, you know, and, and government officials. Um, because they're a part of a municipality, how does that impact some Social Security that's out there? Good question. And uh, I, I sometimes make people very very unhappy when we talk about this topic because they feel as though that they're you know, they always refer to it as double dipping, right? Why is Social Security going in and altering or changing, you know, or reducing some of my benefits? So there's essentially two things here, guys. There's what's called the WEP, which is called the Windfall Elimination Provision. That affects the individual who has both paid uh, uh, FICA taxes as well as worked in the public sector, okay? How that works is, remember we talked much earlier where Social Security looks at your highest 35 years of earnings and I also mentioned that years with zeros may be included, right? So let's just say for the sake of the argument, you worked your 10 years, you have your 40 credits, what have you, so you're entitled to some type of benefit, but the other 25, and then you went to go work in, as a governmental employee, what have you, municipality, et cetera, for those other 25 years, 
Okay, so how the windfall elimination provision works is, is adjusting the formula to take into consideration the fact that the reality is you did work, you're just receiving different compensation in the form of a pension. So it's essentially just recalculating the way that your primary insurance amount is calculated to take into consideration that pension. And the last thing I'll mention with respect to this is what's called the government pension offset. So this affects the spouse or widow benefit that might be entitled on someone's social security. So I'll give you a quick example because this is very, very passionate to me. So my father was a letter carrier for the city of Newton for 35 years. Let's just say for the sake of the argument, his monthly pension from, from, uh, from the city of Newton was like $2,100 a month, okay? My mother's social security round figure say is $2,000. So this is talking about what adjustments may take place on my father's benefit, my father's Social Security uh, benefit or his pension, excuse me, relative to what he could get from Social Security. And the government pension offset is reduced by two-thirds. So make the math simple. If my father goes and collects a Social Security benefit off of my mother, right, he'd be entitled to receive $1,000, right, half of her benefit. But two-thirds of my father's pension is $1,400, because two-thirds of his pension is more than what he'd be entitled to receive, there's zero spousal benefit that my father could collect off of my mother's work history. Play that out one step further as a widow benefit, right? My, mother, my mother's benefit, excuse me, of $2,000 would then become my father's benefit, well, minus the two-thirds government pension offset of $1,400. As a widow or survivor benefit, my father would only be able to collect $600. All right, so it, it's kind of twofold there to answer to your question. It's the individual who has both work history, public and private, is potentially a spouse that would be entitled to receive a spousal and a, and a survivor benefit. Perfect. So it's important to plan those type of things and then not take away from the government pension or no. a municipality pension because those are great products for growth. It's just they're treated a little bit differently. 100%. Yes. Well said. So... Kevin, I think you answered some great questions for us today. We really appreciate you coming on and answering these questions. Just to kind of recap some of the, the most important things, um, I think one of the things you said, you said it over and over again, a lot of these adjustments, a lot of these calculations can really benefit you through effective planning. And I think, you know, for us, that's our big takeaway is, you know, we're working with clients every day to adjust the financial plan. The section on Social Security can't be overlooked. It's not as simple as take the number right off of the statement. Absolutely right. Again, I mentioned this before. Social Security is fantastic. They can tell you how much and when, and that's it. They're not going to go you know, deep with you with respect to doing that financial plan. Again, take stock of all of your guaranteed sources of income. Social Security, for all intents and purposes, we have one bite at this apple right, to get it right. And we want to make certain that through proper planning, we make a very, very informed decision. And whether you file at 62, 66, 67, or 70, I'm okay with that. I just hope that today's topics give you a little bit more insight in terms of what you might be leaving on the table, perhaps for yourself, but also for a, a spouse that might be able to collect on you as well too. So 100% agree, proper planning is crucial and vital. Awesome, so Kevin, like I said, thank you again. Um, if anyone has any other questions, you know, make sure you reach out to us. We can get in touch with Kevin, we can follow up. Um, follow up with us online, you can get on our website, lltwm.com, or you can connect with us on Instagram at Team LLT. And this wraps up episode seven of Money Equals M Squared. Thanks. Thank you.
The views and opinions expressed in this episode are not necessarily the views and opinions of Satera Investment Services. Any recommendations mentioned in this episode are meant for educational purposes only and should not be construed as advice or personal recommendations. Always consult your financial advisor, tax advisor, or attorney for details related to your specific risks, goals, and objectives. Investments have risk and can lose value. They are not FDIC insured. The situations presented are hypothetical to illustrate key topics and should not be construed as actual client situations or experiences. Lagus Lucas and Torello Wealth Management operates under Satera Investors and is responsible for the production of this show. All views and opinions are solely that of Lagus Lucas and Torello Wealth Management. You should always obtain a prospectus when available prior to investing to know your risk, costs, and fees associated with the investment. The advice and strategies presented today are general in nature and should not be used in your planning until you consult with your attorney and CPA on your specific situation. A diversified portfolio does not assure a profit or protect against loss in a declining market. Asset allocation is an investment strategy that will not guarantee a profit or protect you from loss. Satera Investors is a marketing name of Satera Investment Services, securities and insurance offered through Satera Investment Services, LLC, member FINRA SIPC, advisory services offered through Satera Investment Advisors, LLC. Satera is under separate ownership from any other named entity, 127 Washington Avenue, second floor west, North Haven, Connecticut, 06473, phone number 203-239-4545. Individuals affiliated with this broker-dealer firm are either investment advisor representatives who offer only investment advisory services and receive fees based on assets or registered representatives who offer brokerage services and receive transaction-based compensation or both an investment advisor representative or registered representative who can offer both types of services.